Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. So Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. This is where we are in our study of Revelation, and it is the perfect place to land on this Thanksgiving Eve, as you'll see. Revelation 5, 1 through 14. Listen to this, the word of God. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads and of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Amen. Amen. Pray with me if you would. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We're grateful to read such words from your word. They're overwhelming. And of course, it fits the call that was placed on us for this day tomorrow, the eve of which we're celebrating tonight, this day of thanksgiving and praise. And so would you lift our eyes and our minds and our hearts to behold you as much as we are able, as much as you make us able. Lord, we want to worship you. We're grateful. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Gratitude is important. 
Of course it is. And it's always struck me as being so, and I really never hear an argument against gratitude. Yet I see in myself and so many of us a tendency to think too little of it. It seems weak, I think, to us. It seems like a soft response to life to simply be grateful. And yet the more I look into it, the more I see the power of gratitude, the more I understand it to be like a a secret power. You know, like the superheroes have. They have their, their, their super secret power, whatever that is. Some can fly, some are invisible, some can turn into ice or whatever. They turn into flame. They do all kinds of things. It's whatever they do. We have our superpower to be grateful, to be grateful to God. Because when we're grateful, then we can see. Because without gratitude, well, you, you don't have the right frame of reference. You're not beholding God as he presents himself in the Bible. Because the only way to see God in all his fullness is through eyes filled with gratitude. It's the only posture of a Christian. And the opposite of gratitude is toxic to our souls, toxic to our relationships. And we see the ingratitude in every evil act we read about in the news. We see it in our own sin life. Essentially, in Christianity, I would put it this way, gratitude is required. Whether you feel like it or not, especially if you don't feel like it. Sometimes we're in the throes of grief and the best choice in the middle of the mire and the darkness and the pain is to reach for gratitude. Wait a minute, I'm grateful. I've lost someone I love. I'm grateful I had someone I loved enough to weep about losing them. You know, I'm just grateful, Lord. We require gratitude in the Christian life. And if you're not grateful for the gift of life, all the gifts that God gives that flow from the gift of life, then then two realities will haunt you. One is how brief life is, and the other is how empty life is. And the brevity and emptiness of life will, will, will fill your eyes, fill your soul, fill your mind, fill your thinking if, if gratitude is missing. And I've seen that at play over and over again. A well-lived, meaningful life cannot be built on a foundation of ingratitude or anything that results from that, like bitterness or jealousy or anger or entitlement. So as I mentioned before, it just so happens that in our study of Revelation, which will continue after Christmas, we're landing tonight on this ultimate, upcoming but also timeless moment of gratitude really the ultimate moment in all of history and beyond all history. And, and let's just look at it as we go through these verses. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? 
So writing on both sides of the scroll is a big deal because usually you just wrote on one side and you can read in Ezekiel chapter 2 about two sides of the scroll being written on and the sense is here that this scroll has to be written on on both sides because it's saturated with God's judgment. And, And that's, to his credit, that attests to his righteousness, but also it is... Our problem, our, our, our biggest problem with God is his righteousness. We, we as we behold it, there's, there's no avoiding eternal condemnation. And so we want to find someone who can help, and that's, that's what this call is. Who can help us? Who can help all of us? Because there's, if there's... If there's no one worthy, then we're doomed. So says this scroll with writing on both sides. And so there's a, there's a call here for one whose condemnation would not be written about on the scroll, for one who would not be indicted by the contents of the scroll. Well, here we go. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I began to weep loudly, this is John saying this, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So he's identified the problem. It's the, it's the core root of all our problems, all our heartbreak, all that is dark, all that is evil, all that is tragic comes from the separation from God this condemnation that is rightly due us, the the fall that occurred in Genesis 3 that we have continued with great enthusiasm in our own lives, this is the problem. Our our biggest problem is our problem with God. And, And what's the solution? And here we have one of the elders turn to John and say these words. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Oh, look at that. No one was worthy. Everyone, everywhere, for all time, had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the real tragedy of the human race, and it's the root of all our other tragedies, all our wars and murders, all our deception and rejection of each other, all our endless sinning. John wept. And then the elders spoke, set him straight, and said, There is one, there is one, after all, who is worthy. Weep no more. Take that in. As I look at that, I think of the things that might cause me to weep. Some I might be embarrassed to talk about because they don't seem to be worthy of weeping. And they tend to be more a sign of my own weakness than real pain. Yet we weep, all of us, our, our weeping, our, our mourning, all has a root in, in, in sin and our separation from life, from God, and that's a separation that we experience from each other. And into this, we're told, weep no more. There is one. 
Jesus is all the Bible says he is. He has done and will do all the Bible says he has done and will do. Weep no more. I feel like those are words for some of you here, for one of you here. Who knows? God knows. I don't. Weep no more. Thanksgiving Eve 2022, you worshiped with other brothers and sisters. It's always a sweet service, and you heard it from God, right from his word. You're done. You're done with this season of weeping. You're done. Those seasons come and go, but weep no more. And, and you're not done for any other reason than because of what Jesus has done for you. Because of what he's done for you, there comes the healing in a relationship. There comes a healing in your own heart. There comes a healing in your relationship with God. Weep no more. Be, be relieved. Rejoice. Be blessed. Believe. Be grateful. This is a, a timeless moment in history, and it's above history. It's symbolic, though, of the echo of this moment in each of our lives. And we learn more about the one that these verses talk about in the verses to come. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So there are the creatures and the symbols and the sevens. We know the lamb is Jesus. We know he's all these other things too. These are all descriptions of Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, all of that. We note here that these are very Jewish symbols, and it's very interesting to know that when you study one religion, you actually study two. When we, when we, when we study Christianity, we're also studying Judaism, and a big chunk of the book that we call the Bible contains a Jewish book called the Tanakh, which is our Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi. And as I thought about this, I thought about John and who he was and, and where he stood in history. You had the, the, the birth and the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then really within a generation or so, you had the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And you could have been born in 20 A.D., and been about 12 or 13 or 14 or whatever, and you'd, you'd known about Jesus, you heard about this rabbi who was crucified by the Roman authorities, and you, you knew about that, and you knew about all the commotion associated with that, and you knew there were people who followed this crucified rabbi because they said that he, though he died, yet he lives. They saw him. He rose from the grave. You've heard of that. And you would be about 50 years old, when you saw Jerusalem, and that's maybe a long time to live back in that day, but maybe there was somebody born in 20 A.D. and in 70 A.D. at 50, he or she saw the destruction of Jerusalem, the end of the temple. It's yet to be restored. And that's all part of what we're seeing here. And it makes us think of these 24 elders that come up again. We talked about that on Sunday we can read in Revelation 21 about how the 12 gates 
feature the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 foundations feature the names of the 12 apostles. And so we see this unity of Old Testament and New Testament coming together here. And that takes us here to verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, and we'll get to the new song in a minute, but if you've never noticed this, this set of golden bowls full of incense, let it, let it touch your heart if that's what God wants to do tonight. Those bowls hold the prayers of the saints. It, it got to me early on when I read this because I, I think my prayers, most of them are kind of sketchy, you know, and, uh, you know, they're kind of feeble. And, uh, yeah, I, I had to learn that, you know, don't, don't try to pray well. When you pray publicly, just, just talk to God and use his word to talk to him. That's what he, that's what he shows us in Psalms. But you, you might think, well, my prayers are worthless, and they just hit the ceiling, and they fall back down to the ground. But here's a picture here of heaven and glory, and, and I mean, we just, it, it, it stretches our imagination. It exceeds the ability that we have to imagine, just, just trying to picture heaven here. And in the middle of this, your feeble little sketchy prayer is in a bowl, all of them, because they all matter to God. And that's who God is. Isn't that great? I just love that. And it reminds me that I don't have to be impressive. I don't have to get good at any of this. Thank God. Amen? That's one of the things I'm grateful for this Thanksgiving. I could be the shabby Christian that I am and still be as saved as I am and still look forward to seeing this heaven and hearing these songs and proclamations and being a part of it because that's all I want to be because he put that in me. I didn't put that in me. I know I didn't put that in me. I know that comes from him. Praise God. And it's not about anything we do. We, we, we don't get better at this. Instead, we focus our attention on the one who is the best. And that's the different life. That's the grateful life. That's the unselfish life. That's the life where you really are set free from sin and death and hell and all the causes, all the temptations, all the triggers for sin that lead to death and hell. Free. Because it isn't you. It's him. He's the glorious one here. And that's what the song says. Here it is. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. It's great stuff. And it doesn't stop there. I mean, this, this is going to be quite a worship service. Amen. It really is. And every little one that we have, or even big one that we have, is just a little bit of a rehearsal for it. You know? It continues. Then I looked and heard around the throne... 
and, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So, so thanksgiving is really praise giving. When we thank him, we praise him. When we praise him, we thank him. That's what it is to praise him. And we do it with more than a song on a Sunday. We do it with more than a prayer in the middle of the night. We do it with every thought, with every breath, with every word, with every action. We praise him. We praise him in our brokenness. We praise him as we are enduring the consequences of our own failure, our own sin, and yet still experiencing his mercy and his grace because he's pointed out that it is indeed sin, sin he had to die on the cross for, and sin he did die on the cross for and paid the price for. Praise God. Thank God. And so we want to praise him. We want to thank him. And we do so by approaching the source of life for us. And I want to pray for a moment, and then I'll have Pastor Jose take over as we together partake in communion. Pray with me if you would. Father God, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks. We're grateful for your goodness, for your mercy, for your power, for the beauty of this scene, it is overwhelming. It just takes a few minutes to read, maybe not even that. And yet, what we're reading about here will occupy us for eternity. Lord, you call us to be grateful. You call us to hear the elder speak to us as well and say to us, weep no more. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We continue now to worship you in spirit and truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.